0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today it's me, Greg. I have Aaron on as well. And we also have Seth Alvo of Seth Bike Hacks here as a special guest. Thanks for joining us, Seth. Thanks for having me. So, the purpose of today's podcast is to go behind the scenes of Seth's Bike Hacks, a popular YouTube channel with uh, tons and tons of subscribers. So, Seth, I just want to learn a little bit about you first off. So, where do you live now? Where are you located? So right now I'm in Fort Lauderdale,
1: which is in the Miami metro area. I came here by way of New York. I guess I've been here for about four years now. The Miami metro area is definitely not the first place that you think of when you hear mountain biking. But uh, we actually, within like a half hour of me, I have about five bike parks. Mountain biking is actually pretty big down here, although we have no mountains. We do have a lot of Really technical trails and fun stuff that people have built from the ground up,
2: do you have any single track down there?
1: I guess you could call it that, yeah, I mean the bike parks some of them have trails that are miles and miles long. I mean, a place like Markham Park, you could pretty much ride all day and not hit every single trail, so it's mostly switchbacks man made obstacles it's uh bike park stuff
0: <laughs> right on so like trail systems with intertwined trails and like tons of options and stuff of that nature.
1: Yeah. It's, and again, it's, it's like you enter the park and you stay in the park. It's not like there's parks connecting or you going between counties. If you go to, let's say Markham park, you're going to be in Western Florida for the entire time. If you go to Olita, you're going to be in North Miami the entire time. So they're all enclosed spaces. They are truly bike parks The trails connect, they're rated, you know, in difficulty level and everything, but it's not like when you go to someplace like British Columbia or Vermont or something like that. There's, there's trails that go on,
0: you know, between towns and towns. Right on. Well, so tell us a little bit about when you started riding bikes, what got you into biking? So I first
1: rode a two wheeler at three years old. So it was shortly after I was done being potty trained, but, um, Really, I had a big backyard growing up and I would ride in the backyard. So even before I was old enough to go out on my bike by myself, I was setting up little ramps. I was riding around the grass. I was, you know, kind of misusing my bike, I guess you could say. And as I got a little bit older, my dad would take me on mountain bike trails. I did have a little mountain bike. But yeah, I I mostly just started in the driveway in my backyard, kind of like a lot of people.
0: Right on. So, from a lot of your videos, it seems like you have a background in BMX. Is that sort of where you really got serious then?
1: Yeah. Yeah, if you want to if you want to call it serious cuz I never did it competitively. I never raced or anything like that. I rode street and probably starting somewhere in junior high school, I started to meet people who rode BMX and I quickly fell in love with it. It was the first thing that I really sunk my own money into and I spent all my time doing, like, it could be 10, 15 degrees out, because I didn't always live in Florida. It was This was New York. It could be 10, 15 degrees out, and we would go out riding until, you know, my parents were looking for me, like, <laughs> why isn't he home?
0: Nice. So that takes dedication to ride street in New York City in the winter.
1: Well, it was not New York City, but it's still just as cold. Uh, it's the suburbs outside of New York City, Long Island, and... Yeah. It's still a heavily populated area. So we have a lot of good street spots and yeah, we were dedicated. We would, as, as we said, gear up, put on
0: gloves, like two beanies. Right on. So when'd you make the <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how'd you make the transition from BMX riding into full blow mountain biking?
1: So I don't think there was ever really a transition. I always had a mountain bike even while I was BMXing and it was like one weekend call up some friends hey you want to go mountain biking and it was just something we did it wasn't something we did seriously so i always mountain biked a little bit and i was always a pretty good mountain biker
2: but i never really took it seriously what was uh i don't know your your best trick or like your biggest biggest accomplishment from from your street days
1: that's a good question
2: Actually one that sticks out
1: to me is I went to Woodward Camp. I think I was fourteen or fifteen years old and I went for BMX and they had a height contest and there was a little box jump and they had this big bar that they would keep raising another six inches. And I think I got second place. I think I forgot how high it was, but it was something like 11 and a half feet high. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like crazy. And then and then of course they put the bar up to twelve feet. And then you fall because you hit the bar and you're like flying off the bike. But it was on a resi jump, like it's smooth and it's got kind of padding underneath it. But I guess when I think of accomplishments, probably that aside from some just
2: big gaps in town that nobody else would jump. Very cool. Yeah. Because from watching the videos, it's, it's, you know, it's very clear that you, uh, you know, you're very skilled on the bike and that how high you can bunny hop and, you know, the 180s and the yeah, the the one that kind of stands out to me was when you were jumping the ramp into the into the back of the truck, and uh, yeah, just slamming time after time. I was like, yeah, that guy's got a BMX background.
1: Yeah, falling is just falling is just a part of riding for me. But you learn falling is like something you can kind of learn how to do.
2: Right. Actually, right. I've learned not to put my arm out. I'm getting a lot better at that. Break a couple yeah. wrists, and you'll uh, you'll you'll learn. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. So what made you decide to take all these skills you've acquired and turn them into a YouTube channel? You know, what's funny is I actually decided to
1: start a YouTube channel just as a learning experience. I'm not a bike rider by trade. I I don't work at a bike shop, at least not now. But uh, I'm a web developer and I sort of realized there's more money in marketing than programming or website building. So one day I up and decided I'm going to start a YouTube channel and learn how to do video and learn how to analyze it, and how to gain viewership. And I never really expected it was going to amount to anything. I knew I was going to make pretty good videos. And it's funny, you open that question with, when did you decide to take all these writing skills and create a YouTube channel of it? I never intended on writing in the channel. And if you look at the really early videos, they're all repair videos and how-to videos and product reviews. And that was what I was going to focus on. Because my thinking at the time was like,
0: Well, nobody's really going to want to see me ride. I mean, I can just do little hops and stuff. Well, I think that's definitely changed that. That's pretty crazy, the transition.
1: Yeah. I think one day I did a video. I think I did a video on the dropper post. It was actually my first video. And I like bunny hopped over something. And I got a few comments where they're like, hey, can you do a how, how to bunny hop video? I was like, okay. I did a how to bunny hop video. And immediately started getting a lot of views and a lot of likes and a lot of shares. And so I said, all right, well, maybe I'll do some other how-to videos. And that's when the viewership like really started to increase.
0: And I realized that I kind of had something more on my hands. Right, And now you have over 76,000 subscribers, which I mean, that's pretty good for anybody, right?
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy to think that a year ago in July, I was celebrating reaching my 500 subscriber mark. Wow. Wow. Just a year ago? Less than a year ago. In July, I did a video like 500 subscribers question and answer video. So since then, I've gotten up to 76,000. And it's kind of crazy to think because that's a lot of subscribers, like you said.
0: It's a lot of people.
2: Do you know how many total views you have?
1: Uh, it's in the millions. I get two million views per month. Whoa! So, and that's increasing every month. Dang! <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty
0: unreal, man.
1: Yeah, so like every video I post within the first forty-eight hours, it's averaging anywhere between fifteen and forty thousand views. So it's it's pretty
2: nuts. You should do so, Assess Bikes Hacks on how to create a YouTube channel.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: people have asked me
1: for that, actually.
2: <laughs> Not giving away that
0: secret also, right? So obviously we distribute your videos on single tracks, and that helps. But where do you think the bulk of your views come from? Do you have one specific spot you can point to? Or is it just people that subscribe straight to your channel? So
1: 30% of the people that watch my videos are subscribers. So the other 70% are people that just came upon them by happenstance or they're searching for Seth's bike hacks in the analytics. What it tells me is that suggested videos is where I get the most views. So people are browsing YouTube and they see one of my videos pop up. They're interested in the thumbnail. They click it. And then the next video they watch is another one of my videos and the next and the next and the next. And that's, definitely how I'm getting my views.
0: Right on. So you told us a little bit about your transition from reviews and tech to um, how to and skills. So can you elaborate a little bit more about your current goal with your videos? Like what kind of topics do you most enjoy discussing and where you're going with that? As far as
1: topics there, there's obviously, like you said, the how to's and the tutorials, but my favorite ones are the experiments. Like what if, what happens if you put a really small dude on a really big bike? Or what happens if you ride a BMX through the mountain bike trails? What happens if you expose a mountain bike to salt water? Like stuff, people that, stuff that people wonder about, but never have the motivation or resources to actually test for themselves.
0: Yeah, we've seen a few of those. And we're like, the one that really got me was when you pumped your tires full of water. And I was like, I would have never thought to do that. Like I was like, this is hilarious. Oh, I was up all night thinking about that. I was like, I can't wait. <laughs> so yeah, how do you come up with these crazy ideas? You know, you said people wonder about them, but like, how how do you identify these topics?
1: So I kind of make videos that I would want to watch. So coming up with topics and ideas is the easiest part. Like, I'll never run out of topics and ideas because every video that I make gives birth to like five ideas. For instance, when I make the when I made the first uh how-to ramp video. I got a million comments like make a bigger one, make a smaller <laughs> one, make this kind of ramp. Or hey, show us some tricks you can do on the ramp. Can you do a how-to on how to boost? And I'm like, crap, now there's like 10 videos I gotta make. So what I do is I take those videos, all those those topics, I actually write them down. Like I have a running list and I decide which one based on cost, timing, relevance um how fun it's gonna be and how many views I could expect to get from it. That's how I choose the topics that I'm actually gonna do.
2: Cool. So it sounds like you're very analytical about your about the whole process. So is this is this kind of I know you said you're a web developer, but is this are you transitioning to this being your full-time gig?
1: Yeah. Um, eventually I want this to be my full-time gig and what's what's funny about it is this This is sort of my calling. It takes every single thing that I'm good at and combines them. And I don't think a lot of people are lucky enough to say that that's what they do. Like if you were an adventurer and you were also a good writer and you wrote adventure journalism, it would be sort of like that. I'm a web developer, so I I deal with stuff on the internet. I'm a marketer, so I get people to get interested in stuff. And I like bike riding. So this is like all three of those things combined. I get to use cameras, technology, Internet. I get to sell stuff on my website. I get to deal with SEO. So it's sort of like the web development just prepared me for this. Now I get to sort of transition to this and actually make something viable out of it. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. And you know, I run it like a business. Like I take it really seriously. I'm incorporated. I have contracts and stuff that I that are pre prepared. You know, I. I do bookkeeping, everything about it, I run exactly like a business.
2: That's awesome. It sounds like it. And it sounds like it's paying off too.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, 76,000 followers in less than a year. I mean, <laughs> you push those numbers out, and it's it's pretty incredible. So that's super exciting, man.
1: It is. So do you have any sponsors? I don't have any sponsors. I think a lot of people that contact me sort of get the idea that I'm not going to be interested in selling myself, so to speak. I'm not going to write anything exclusively. I'm not going to use any products exclusively. If they want to give me a product and it's good, I'll feature it. But to be honest, I actually refuse more stuff than I accept because... If it's not something I believe in, or if it's not something that I think my viewers are gonna like, I have a feeling that they're gonna like smell that out and know I'm being insincere. So I'm kind of afraid to take on any sponsorships or anything like that. I'm more just partnerships, you could say. Yeah. Gotta protect the brand, right? Absolutely. I've worked really hard to build it. So, you know, the most important things I trust are the viewers. So, how long have you been, uh, how long have you had the YouTube channel? So, I started the YouTube channel in February of two thousand fifteen, so, like I said before, in July, I was a five hundred subscriber, so between February and July of two thousand fifteen, I accumulated five hundred subscribers. Wow, so it was like it was like six months, Wow, to get the first five hundred man, that's incredible
0: so of all the topics that you've covered so far. What's been your favorite one? What was the most fun one to do?
1: Probably the most fun one was the Walmart bike video. (laughs) Yes. I think a lot of people found that to be the most fun one to watch. That was actually born out of necessity. People were – asking me all the time, hey, is like a Super Havoc a good bike? Like all these crazy bikes from Walmart. And I'm like, (laughs) Uh like, I don't know. Like I don't even know if you can probably, you could probably bunny hop on it or whatever. So actually when I got that bike, I was like sort of rooting for it. Like you want to root for the underdog. Sure. And I'm like, I'm going to show that you can take this on the trails. I'm going to show that you can bunny hop with it. And what's funny is throughout the whole week that I had that bike, even when I wasn't filming, I was riding it. Like I took it to the coffee shop. Like I took it I was using it for transportation and I just grew to just hate it so much. Like the, <laughs> there's certain things that you take for granted. Like when you sit on a $350 bike, like an entry level bike from Dick Sporting Goods, you pedal it and it just rolls. The Walmart bike rolls to a stop. Like the, the thing, the smallest things that you take for granted, the bike can't provide for you, but. Like as a society, we asked for that. Like make it cheaper, make it cheaper, make it cheaper. And they're like, here you go. And that's what you get. So what I really it was really fun to see what it could do. It was really fun to film. I probably got some of the most laughter out of making that video. And I actually learned a lot because I was ready. I was like, oh, this is all BS. Like you don't really need to spend that much on a bike. Like you could this thing's probably okay. It's probably like heavy and doesn't feel that great. But you know, I was wrong. It's just totally useless for actual trail riding.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, that's a stunning indictment for sure. Um, So YouTube is, is renowned for the controversial and often incendiary comments section. What video of yours has sparked the most controversy since you've been doing it?
1: It was really recent. It was easily the e-bikes one. (laughs) <laughs> I think there's there's two camps with the e-bikes people who have tried one and people who haven't and the people like just to be honest like I'm super bummed out that e-bikes exist like that we have to sort of deal with that as mountain bikers but they're here whether we like them or not so we're going to have to decide where they fit in and I try to be as fair and balanced in that video as possible like I actually rode one And I knew there was going to be a lot of hate in the comments. People that are like, e-bikes are for lazy people and e-bikes are cheating. And to some degree, I kind of like agree. Like we we can't just let them on the trails. It sort of opens the floodgates for a lot of things. But I sort of gave them a pretty fair review, I would say. And I think that got a lot of people pissed off. And you can see in the comments, there's – people very passionately defending
2: their stance on it. Yeah. We see a lot of that here too. So (laughs) definitely (laughs) feel you on the uh, e-bike front.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely when you just, when you hear e-bike like electric bike, it's like, that's not a bike. That's not a bike. Like, I hate this. Why does this have to exist? Is the first emotional response that most mountain bikers have But if you really dig into the issue and you really try one, it's like it's a little more complex than that.
0: For sure. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on e-bikes. I thought it was, like you said, a pretty well-formed opinion. Um, And man, Seth, we're just uh, looking forward to seeing where Seth's Bike Hacks goes next and continuing to work with you and share your videos. So thanks again for joining us on the podcast and chatting today.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me and thanks for sharing my videos.
0: If this is the first time you've heard of Seth's bike hacks, be sure to check him out on YouTube. He has a channel by that name and you can definitely subscribe to his videos over there and keep your eyes to the single tracks homepage as we continue to share more of his uh, mountain biking, how to's and experiments, which definitely keep us all entertained. So thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you next week.